I'm Shannon. And I'm Rami. And this is Workplace Hugs, where we talk about the interesting things we've read or heard to help us all expand our life toolkit with a whole bunch of empathy without a whole new degree. Shannon, I feel like when it's your episode, I normally do the intro. And when it's my episode, (laughs) you do the intro. And I have no qualms with that. And I feel like we've uh, played with that over time. Have we? And... I feel like we've gotten to a good place, but it might be time for us to reevaluate how we do this. Yeah, how we divide up our responsibilities. Well, Rami, this is a great segue, though cheesy, into our episode this week. So this week we're going to be talking about fair play. How the hell do we work and live and divide up our household responsibilities between ourselves and our life partners. So here's the background. I read this book. It's called Fair Play by Eve Rodsky. And in the book, she explores this concept of domestic responsibility and the often unequal division of labor in households. Quite honestly, I didn't love the book. but we're still going to talk about it. Here's why I didn't love it. She basically spends the first seven chapters bashing on men a lot. As yeah, but that's fair. I I align with being a man. Uh, and historically, men have been garbage at doing fair play in terms of domestic responsibilities. And that and that's where like I have compassion because it sounds like she herself had a really tough experience, which is what inspired this book in her. But I, I feel like Rami you and my husband Nate are actually really great partners taking on a lot of household responsibilities. So we're definitely still going to talk about the struggle because I do think it's real and it's alive in other people's relationships. But we're also and we're also still going to talk about the author's solution for how she more fairly divided up labor. But I also want us to have a chance to talk about our own approaches because I think that we're freaking doing some things right you and i (laughs) so let's talk about how we manage it um wait before we get into it can i share an example yes so we were talking about father's day the other day i don't know why and we were like back in like even a few years ago like our parents generation i think what our dads would have wanted and would be like a day where they can just like watch I don't know, golf or NASCAR or something and have beer and like not have the family around. Like, that's what I think they would want as like a father's day. And it's not like they were spending a ton of time with the family anyways. It was just like, Oh, that's like what I think I would imagine for someone 10 years ago, 20 years ago wanting. But now, and this is the part where we were talking about, I was like, now I think what the, the dad would want is like to get to do, something that they like doing but with the family that's totally what nate asks for every year exactly it's not like i don't want the family to like leave me but i want the family to come and do the thing that i want to do that maybe they don't always want to do with me yeah is that are you guys going golfing with nate is that the thing that's what we do yes (laughs) what do you guys do i don't know you haven't figured it out yet no but i was like thinking about this other guy i was like oh he really likes like smoking meat, I bet he would want to like do a really long smoke, but like involve the family in it. So it's like, oh, we're going to make sides. Yeah. And like, like normally you guys don't want to be bothered by me smoking for 18 hours like this piece of meat. But like maybe we make that what the whole day is about. Yes. Yes. I love that. If anything, I thought where you're going with that was. I've noticed a flip of like it, so- it seems like the mom's 
well, I shouldn't say this. When I was growing up, we spent Mother's Day throwing a big party, right? For like my mm-hmm. mom and all the moms because my sisters and my mom were having kids at the same time because I have a huge family. <laughs> but now in my own home, I feel kind of like a shitty mom for saying this, but I'm just going to say it. I want rest. Like I want, that's my version of restoration is like, I get time where I get to go be by myself and, and think through some things. Mm-hmm. So I thought you were going to say maybe it's shifted. And previously it was the guy being like, I just want to watch NASCAR by myself. And now it's like the mom saying, I just want to blah, blah, blah by myself. Anyways, I digress. Okay. Should we head back to the book? Let's go back. Let's divvy it up. Fair play. Let's, we're going to hit three topics. First, we're going to talk about the struggle. Second, we're going to talk about the author's solution for how to resolve this struggle in partnerships. And then we're going to talk last about what our own solutions have been. So first, the struggle. I just want to share more personal stories than include all of her statistics in the book because, you know, I think we both know like, yeah, this is probably alive and well and out there. Rami, in your 10 years of marriage, have you and Deanna ever struggled with who does what around the house? I'm going to say no, but the answer is probably yes, only because there are like very clear delineations between who is capable of doing certain things. Fascinating. Deanna does outdoor things. She's always mowed the lawn. She's always done the fixing of the outside of the house. She's done the fixing of the inside of the house. I cannot do any of those things. I physically, mentally cannot do any of those things. I can if Deanna's like, go put the shed together. Here are some nails. Here's like the (laughs) The instructions. instructions. (laughs) Go do the thing. Where Deanna will be like, oh, no, I'm going to go like fix this random thing. I'm like, yeah, that's not my wheelhouse. Yeah. So like she's always done those things and i remember when we bought our first house our neighbors were like how can you make deanna mow the lawn i'm like i'm not making her mow the lawn she likes mowing the lawn so she mows lawn and how does she make me make dinner i don't know like it just i like making the food and it comes out edible so like i cook like that's just how like so a lot of those things got divvied up in that way and it's never changed no and even after prince was born like nothing has changed and who does what? Not really. There were like times in our lives where like Deanna wasn't working. And so Deanna like did all the household things. Yes. Like when we moved from Minnesota to California, Deanna was literally on her own to like sell the house, pack the house. Wow. Because I had already moved here to yeah, like start working. Work. Yeah. I flew back for a weekend to drive the stuff across the country. And then we just like had to keep going. So like in those moments or like there was time when I wasn't working, like I took over everything that I could do at the house to make up for her working. Um, but yeah, like I've always done the laundry. I've always done the cooking and she's always done like the household stuff and like managing of our finances and all of those things. Yeah. And maybe we'll talk about that more later when you share I mean, I don't know. Maybe you just covered like what you what you guys how you divide up later. But I feel like there's probably other layers. I do think it's remarkable that you it sounds like you guys have never argued about it. Like you've never had a point where you feel like you're pulling more than your fair share. I think, look, I think at all points, people feel like they're pulling more than their fair share. Yeah. And I think that's okay. And we talked about this in the um, episodes with Nate, like. The thing that I always heard, the best advice I ever got was like everybody in a partnership or a marriage should do 110%. And if each person is doing 110%, 
then everything's getting done and people aren't complaining. Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure there's been times where it's been like, ah, oh, I had so much laundry. Like, how do you wear so many clothes? Yeah. Which is annoying. Or like, I can't make dinner anymore this week. So we need to like do something simple. Uh, yeah. But I think like, if I think about the large swaths of things, and Deanna will correct me later, <laughs> I feel like it's been fairly smooth. like smooth. Yeah, that's great. That's great. What about I'm you and Nate? You. <laughs> well, first I want to give a tap back. The episodes Rami's talking about is episode 154 and 155, where we interviewed Nate and I together to talk more deeply, I think, about all topics. How do you balance work and being in a partnership? Um, okay, but like, yeah, Nate and I have definitely argued about this over the years. We've really... Because you both say, love doing certain tasks and don't want the other person to get the pleasure of doing those things. Yeah, that's totally, that's exactly why. No, not at all. I liked your point, though, about or what you shared of how things ebb and flowed. I think there have been times where I have not been working and so I've taken on more or where oh, when I was training for Ironman and so Nate took on a lot more or then like Mm -hmm. Nate trained for Ironman. So then I took on a lot more where we've ebbed and flowed with it a lot more over the years. Like things have been more dynamic, I guess. Um, It hasn't been constant of like who does what all the time. So there's maybe been more room for that. I don't know. You're making me think. So, but I will say recently, like in the last couple of years, it really isn't as contentious as it used to be. Why was it contentious, though? I think it's because we were focusing on the wrong thing. And don't, like, we're going to talk about it later. Okay. (laughs) So, like, get excited, listeners. Uh, There was one specific thing that shifted for us, I would say, especially in the last year. And we've been married almost 15 years, people. Isn't that insane? I do not feel old enough to be married 15 years. You could really... If you had a kid right then... They could, like, be driving, Shannon. Oh, my God. How terrifying is that? You just blew my mind with that. Um, So there was one key thing that I read recently that really shifted the game for Nate and I. We'll get to that later. But first, let's talk about the author's solution to the struggle of just having this, you know, contention in your marriage of, like, who's does what and feeling like it's not fair. So in the book, the author proposes dividing... Uh, she proposes like a new system for dividing household responsibilities that basically involves identifying and assigning specific tasks to each partner. So I listened to the audiobook version of this book, but I think it's literally like a deck of cards, a deck of a hundred cards or something. <laughs> Thirty buy a book, she, get a free game. That's fun. I think so. Thirty of which she alleges need to be done every single day. Like she's like every single the, day the tasks that have to be done. Yeah, allegedly thirty things. <laughs> Right? I was like, holy shit. Uh, so the, you essentially deal the cards out and negotiate who does what at a cadence that works for your relationship. So maybe some people mix it up every week. Maybe some people mix it up every month, every year, whatever it is. And the idea, there's a couple of ideas in this. The first idea is to make all tasks visible, right? Because a lot of partners feel like their labor is invisible. So I remember I used to feel like I've always run the the finances in our house. And I remember that I used to feel like that was really invisible to Nate because it's like something that just like magically happens. Like yep. it just happens. It's not like laundry or dishes where you can see the task happening. Like our kitchen is clean now. It wasn't before. 
So that's idea number one behind the deck of like all the possible tasks are there. But she also has all of these like kind of it just felt like like crazy rules and systems and FAQs for different scenarios that felt really daunting. So, for okay, example, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, to empathize with her, it sounds like she had a very unhelpful, unsupportive partner, which is yes. why she was trying to find some like rigor in a system to make it succeed, even with like a trash person. Yes. <laughs> Yes, even with the trash person. Um, yeah, but yes. So again, we're going to share her system with you. And maybe it is maybe it is what will work for you and your partner. I know for Nate and I, it would not work. So some of the examples of like the, the crazy rules or systems that go apart, that go along with this deck, she talks about something called CPE for each task. So the person responsible for a task like... Uh, child care is responsible for the C is for conceiving of the P is for planning for it. And the E is for executing the task fully. So it's really from start to finish. And she discourages dividing up parts of a task because it can no make for more chaos. No, no bueno, no bueno. Say more. Because it, like similar to you, like Deanna manages our finances, but she also like manages finding Prince a daycare. But she also shouldn't be the one who has to drive Prince a daycare every day because she's the one who found it. Well, and she... So, like, that she might say is a different task, but the example they give is, like, food. Like, food, you know? So it's, like, they make the meal plan, they do the grocery shopping, and they do all the cooking. That would just not work for us in our household. Or, frankly, even something like child transportation, you know? It would be, like, the person is responsible for bus drop-off and bus pickup. That would not work in my marriage. So we're going to say thanks, but no thanks on the CPE part of her system. She also talks about establishing what she called an MSC. She, I think her background is, uh, she's like a org management consultant. Oh, I thought you were going to say she comes up with, uh, what are those things called? Acronyms. Acronyms. (laughs) I mean, she could be because she has quite a few in this book. So an MSC is a minimum standard of care for each task. And again, like this just feels like a lot of work just to freaking start the process. But Shannon, she had a very dumpy partner. So it's probably like you need to throw out the garbage. And he was probably like bringing it not to the garbage. Yeah. And she's probably like, you need to take it all the way and put it in the garbage can, (laughs) dummy. Like, you can't just, like, take the garbage and then not replace the bag. Like, I'm sure this comes from, like, a just, like, a a toddler of a human being. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Do things. So if you have a toddler of a human being for a partner, this system is probably perfect for you. It's perfect for you. I think, too, like, when as a as a Arab person, I feel like gender roles, at least in in what I've seen of my culture, uh-huh. it's very much like man provides, woman cooks. Like even if it's not man provides, both of them go to work. It's still like woman cooks. Yeah. Like I look at all my cousins, and very very rarely do I ever see a male doing the cooking. Uh-huh. It's always the female and again we just don't have a lot of diversity in terms of types of marriages so most of the ones that i was saying are man and woman um and so in 
that instance, these things make sense to me, right? To say like, oh, I'm doing all the cooking. So like, I need you, I probably wouldn't task someone who doesn't understand how to shop for groceries to go buy the groceries. <laughs> but it might be like, oh, you need to clean up the kitchen when I'm done cooking. And I'm not like, that's your, that's your task. And this is what it looks like. This is the, yeah, what'd you say? Minimum MSC, standard of, minimum of, standard of care, care for these types of things. And even if it's like, how. exactly. And that's what I'm saying. Like you may have a partner that you have to literally black and white. Here's like, like the diaper box is empty. Like, I need you to break it down. I need you to break it in the recycling bin. Like, that's how that works. <sighs> and maybe you're... Okay, so I'm starting to hate the book a little bit less <laughs> the more that we talk about it. Because honestly, I'm thinking about some of my brothers who are in more traditional marriages. And that's what I'm saying. Who, have, who, were, who also were raised by the same parents that I was raised by, where they had more traditional roles. You're making me think, too, of another point that she makes in the book is that the reason why you go through the whole deck is because she doesn't want any gender assumptions about who, who will do what. She uses the example of thank you notes, like that that often falls on the uh, I, I do hate that we're using such like gendered partnership examples, but that that usually falls on the wife in a partnership. And she has like interviews with husbands talking about it where she really beats them down of like, but, but why, but why, but why, but why does it have to be your wife that writes the thank you notes? But why? <laughs> and eventually it comes down to like, well, cause this is just, this is what my parents did or like, this is just the way that it is. Or she would be better at it because she's a woman and she really encourages challenging those assumptions. Okay. I feel like, sorry, just one last thing and then let's get on to what I think yeah. is going to be the more exciting part of this. Um, who writes the thank you notes in your family? Nate. And Nate does the Christmas card every year, too. I do both of those. And I think it's only because if we didn't, if I didn't do them, it wouldn't happen. And I'm, like, very <laughs> adamant that I want to, like, do those things. And so it's, like, and I feel like this is part of, like, how a lot of tasks at Divvied Up is, like, oh, Rami wants to do thank you notes. So, like, Rami, go do the thank you notes. Yes. Like, you take that on as a task. You can CPE the thing. And, yes. like make it happen or you know what as a family we're deciding not to do that thing and it just that task is not a priority for our family yeah and she talks about that too but you're making me think nate this is where nate and i are naughty and we don't cpe because i guess i do play a role in the thank you note process because what we do with talia's old art is we recycle it and turn it into cards so like i buy cardstock like pre like the, it's like the envelope matches the cardstock and then i just paste yep. a piece of her art that fits on it um so i guess i do i do play a part in the thank you note process but nate's the one that sat down with talia and wrote out every single thank you note for her last birthday party you know so it's like that's what works for us okay so there was actually one thing that i did like about her approach and it's something that she called unicorn space Unicorn space is what you would do with uninterrupted time that does not include more work, a side hustle or housework. It's basically the active pursuit of something you love, something that brings you joy and makes you who you are. And she is adamant. I guess there is a task card in her system called unicorn space. And she's adamant that both partners need to have this as a task in their day to day. So Rami, I'm curious, what is your unicorn space lately? And I want to know Deanna's too. Uh, Deanna loves to surf. Yes, um, that's right. So she'll surf like once a week. Um, that's part of it. But we just got a membership at um, like the community pool. Uh huh. And so 
she will like get a bunch of toys, pack a lunch, and like take prints, and they just like go play in the water for an hour or whatever. That's precious. Um, when it's not nice enough to go and do that same thing at the beach, like I feel like that's that's like if you took Deanna and you were like, oh, you're on empty, and you like sent her to one of those places, like she would come back like brimming. Oh, I love that. And what about you? What's your unicorn space activity lately? Uh, Prince has been really into pinball. Uh-huh. Um, he's our little pinball magician. Um, and he and I, like, have been going and, like, playing pinball a lot. And that's been a lot of fun. Nice. But normally for me, it's running. So it's always going to be running. Yeah. Uh, but I have been very unicorny in, like, taking an evening to go see a movie by myself, which has been really nice. Cool. I like that idea. What about you, Nate? uh, Nate's would be golfing Golfing, right now. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. That's just like his addictive hobby right now. I think it will be for maybe for the rest of his life. Of his life. Yeah. Uh, And mine are what I call pony play dates with my sister. So with the milk buds, with the milk buds. Good memory. So, my dad has 20 ponies left on the farm and my sister and I will go and take care of them. So Yeah, but they're not like regular ponies. They're like mini ponies, right? Well, they're regular ponies. There's mini ponies would be even smaller than the ponies. They're not like they're smaller than horses, but they're not as mini as like mini mini ponies who are the size of dogs. Okay, but this is like smaller than a donkey. No, it's like the same the same size, size yeah. as a donkey. Yeah, we but used like, to can have a person some ride donkeys. them. Um, so fun fact: people who ride horses or ponies, you can you want to have it be twenty percent of the animal's body weight, and the ponies are about five hundred pounds a piece. So it's like a kid could ride it. Somebody under hundred pounds could ride a pony, but you wouldn't want to put more than that on them. Okay, hold on. We I need did to ask another question unknowingly. <laughs> okay, but like. I was always under the assumption that a small horse is a pony and then it becomes a horse. But yours are always this size. So like horses are never ponies. Yes. It's like think of different breeds of dogs. Like there's little teeny tiny chihuahuas and then there's Great Danes. The same is true in the equestrian world. So there's there's draft horses that are even huger than that's like the Budweiser like Clydesdale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. guys. And then there's horses, which is what you see people riding like in the Olympics. And then yep. there's ponies, which is what my family has. Wow. Why are we talking? This is great. <laughs> and then there's mini ponies, which are, I would say, like the size of a Great Dane dog. Okay. But is a horse ever a pony? Okay, now you're like John Shotlering this a little bit. My, what did my dad used to say? He'd say, "Every pony can be a horse, but not every horse can be a pony." That's exactly it. Yeah. So, like a young adolescent horse would be like about a pony, and then they get bigger. Yes, but it's different than what my dad said. It's like my dad is really big on semantics. So there was something there was something about how they're classified that technically a pony is a horse because it falls under like the broader equestrian umbrella, but a horse could not be classified as a pony because a pony is like a, 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 a certain a, height, a, a, a certain type of horse. Yeah. Okay. But like they do, a horse starts out as like a baby horse, whatever the <laughs> word is for that, yeah. then becomes like a pony type horse and then yeah. becomes like a full size horse where a pony is going to start out as like a baby horse 
become a pony, and then they're That's good. Yeah. They cashed out. They've cashed out. Yeah. The proper term would be full. A baby pony or horse is a full. If it's a girl, it's a filly. If it's a boy, it's a colt. If you're curious. Anyways. <laughs> so, yeah. So, mine is pony playdates with my sister. Like, this past weekend, we had some... We had to wean a pony. That means taking him away from his mother because he's been around her for 10 months and she's about to give birth again. So, it was time to get him out of that pen. Uh, and then we just sat on the hay bale and chatted and watched to make sure he was okay in his new pen for, like, three hours. It was great. Okay. So... But if you added a horn to it, you could have a literal unicorn space with unicorns. <laughs> yes, Robbie. I guess we could. Maybe this will be the next iteration of the Milk Buds. Unicorn Buds. <laughs> Anyways... Let's get back to the book. So honestly, this book felt like a lot for me. It felt really unnecessarily complicated for me. But if you have a toddler partner, even that, I feel like I'm playing into her system of being just really critical of men. I don't want to do that. I think it was unnecessarily complicated. But I can see a time in my life where maybe this would have worked for us. But it feels like an additional chore to even implement the idea. So I'm curious for us to spend the last part of this episode talking about what we we do in our partnerships instead of CPEs and MSCs and complicated card games. So Rami, how have you and Deanna approached divvying up tasks over the years? It sounds I mean, like you go based on... Yeah, yeah, but like if we just summarize it again, it sounds like it goes based off of ability. Like Yes. And you feel that Deanna has more ability in the outdoor space and you have more ability in the kitchen. So that's yes. who does what there. Agreed. 100%. And it didn't change when Prince was born. Like you've kind of kept um, things the same. Yes. I would say very similar. And how do you guys decide when you'll revisit who is doing what? Or do you have you ever revisited who's doing what in the 10 years you've been married? Apart from when one of us wasn't working, not really. So, like, because it's it's always worked, and I don't think the. I think when someone is frustrated with the work, we find a solution for it in the interim until it like is not a draining task again. So, like for Deanna, it was like I can't mow the lawn anymore. So we like got a kid to come and mow our lawn. Yep. It was like great. That's fine. Yeah. We, neither of us have to do that task. And it's not like I'm like, oh, I have so many tasks and now this kid mows the lawn. Yeah. It's like, oh, we didn't need to do that one. And then for me, it's like, oh, if I'm just like, like last week, I was like, I'm not putting away laundry. Like I will do laundry, but ain't happening. Yeah. And so Deanna put it away. Yeah. And then so, this week I did laundry and I was like, no problem. So it sounds like it's like a little bit of flow, but maybe you revisit or you revise it on weeks when somebody's really burned out or yes. days when somebody's really burned out. Um, or working status, working status changes, or maybe working situation changes. Because I thought, like, I remember a couple months ago, you were sharing Deanna got a new job, and then it sounded like you took on more, like you were doing drop off of prints in the morning all the time, and pick up, oh, and yeah. pick up, yeah. And that used to be different, but with this yes. new job, her commute changed. I'm guessing. Yes. So those are some examples of how you've of when you've chosen to revisit who is doing what, job changes. So what Yes. So what about you and Nate? Do okay. I get to ask a question now? Is this, yeah. are you going to answer it this time? <laughs> so 
volunteer this time. Okay, so what is the Shatler Hasty household approach? So our overall strategy is that we focus on creating equitable opportunities for rest instead of focusing on equity in work. And I think this came from when I read the book, How to Keep House While Drowning. Rami, you're going to have to remind us when we covered that book episode. Uh, I'll keep going while Rami remembers what episode number that was. And honestly, changing that frame really changed everything for us. When we focused on, are we, do we both have equal opportunities to rest versus do we have equal opportunities to work? We stopped trying to keep score in the fair play game and started focusing on how we could support each other in getting us both closer to rest as soon as possible. So, for example, if Nate is doing bus pickup, can I start dinner so we can all get to eating and resting sooner? Rami is looking confused. <laughs> so it is episode uh, 173. We, we called it Shifting Your Relationship to Work, but it was about the book How to Keep House While Drowning. If I could just like call it out. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, and I, I was like, I can't find freaking love that book. So I'm happy to plug it again. That was a great one to read. Okay, but back to this book. So, so yeah, so we stopped trying to keep score and we started focusing on rest. Another example of how we do that is if Nate is, so Talia's hair is a pretty labor intensive process for us. How long does it take from start to finish? It depends on the style, but it could take five hours. Easy. From start to finish, like washing, detangling, um, moisturize, moisturizing or like blow drying to then style. So Nate took on the, when I was feeling really burnt out of like, wow, this is just a lot of time all at once for one parent. He started doing the washing routine part of her hair. And then I do all the styling parts after. So we both have opportunities to rest again. Like rest has been our focal point though. Right. It wasn't like, mm-hmm. this is unfair. It was like, wow, I see that you get to rest while I'm doing her hair. Would there be a way that we could split that up so each of us gets a chance to rest on the days that we need to do our hair? We also stopped doing certain tasks entirely when the focus shifted to rest. And Nate is so good about continuing to keep me in check on this. So, for example, (laughs) we've been we're in a house remodel now. We've been preparing for one for a while. When we started preparing for it, I was adamant that we needed to like declutter every last corner of our entire house. Like even the laundry room. They're not remodeling. The there wasn't room. enough going on. Yeah, this right? is, Deanna does this to me every time. Yes. There's not enough going on. So it's like, now we got to do the thing that we've never done before. Yeah. At the same time as everything blowing up in our faces. Yeah. So Nate lovingly was like, you know, babe, can we maybe just focus on the three areas that are getting impacted by the remodel? And that way we we can rest more because that's the new focus in our marriage. <laughs> it's like, yes, we can do that. Okay. Then let's talk a little bit about how we divide tasks. So I think it depends on what makes sense for the season of life we're in. Similar to Rami and Deanna, you know, like Deanna changed jobs. So she has a longer commute. So now Rami is doing pickup and drop off examples like that, you know, so I do morning bus drop off because Talia's school starts so late and I can just wait to start coaching until 10 a.m. But Nate always gets her off the bus because my most popular coaching spot is often from 4 to 5 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, I make the meal plan and grocery shop and I do some sous chef on the weekend, but Nate does all the final cooking during the week. Nate takes the lead on laundry and hand wash dishes. I keep the dishwasher moving all week long and pay our bills. It doesn't mean that I never fold a little laundry and Nate never empties the dishwasher, but in general, like we do kind of have a lead person on each roll. 
And then the last point that I want to talk about is the how do we recontract when things feel off? The way that Nate and I approach it is like anybody can ask to revisit the responsibilities at any time, right? It's not like you have to wait for the budget meeting. Mm -hmm. You have to wait for the card redealing meeting. (laughs) And for us, it feels more of like a daily or weekly renegotiation. I was just asking Nate last night, do you agree? Like, this is what I'm going to say about how we approach it. Do you agree with this? And he said, yeah. He's like, I think we practice like a flow state method instead of a fair play card game. It's like, like even yesterday I was telling him I'm feeling I've, I have two new clients that I got to get onboarded. I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. Can you take Talia to dance instead of me so I can get this done? You know, it's like, it's just, we're just in flow. We're communicating all the time. Okay. This episode has gotten really long because Rami and I talked about ponies a lot. (laughs) Let's summarize it up for you though, in sharing out some tactics that you might, take forward and implement first prioritize communication so schedule a check-in with your partner to talk about how you're both feeling but not about equity in your work make it about rest and restorative time are you both getting the amount of time that you need for your unicorn space as the author puts it i like the shift to rest that's cool then let that lead into number two which our second piece of advice would be maybe update your quote-unquote system for dividing household responsibilities but doing it in service of resting more. It's not about tit for tatting each other. It's about how can we both be resting more, having more unicorn time? How do we Unless your partner is a dumpster and does nothing, then get these cards (laughs) and divvy it up and make sure they know what they need to do. Yes. Because some people are dumpsters and they need to be like, here are your seven tasks. I'm going to put on a freaking calendar. Yeah. And like, we're going to do it together so that you understand like what this task looks like. Yes, if your spouse is a dumpster fire, please go get the deck. The third tip or the third tactical thing to move forward is value and prioritize your own unicorn space time, right? Because I think we all know those people, myself, who we will block the time, but then we'll come up with a million other tasks that we could or should be doing during that time. So identify the tasks or activities that bring you joy or fulfillment, not tasks, just activities that bring you joy or fulfillment and prioritize them into your schedule. (sighs) That was a lot. We would love for you to connect with us on Instagram or LinkedIn and share with us on social. What is there a different strategy than what Rami or the book or I shared today that you and your partner use to ensure you both get enough rest or unicorn time? And what's your favorite unicorn space activity lately? So we could all get ideas. I want to hear. Pump us up. (laughs) Are you surfing? You know, they're actually, you know, there's actually a patent for turning a goat into a unicorn, Shannon. No. Yeah, you. Uh, it's not humane in any way. But when they're, uh, what do you know what a baby goat is called? Is it? Is there a word for that? A like kid? a you? Is it a, a kid? Kid, kid. I think that's right. Okay. When they're a kid, you can um, take their two horns. Yeah. And remove one, and then replant the second one in the middle. So then the goat ends up being a unicorn because they have horns, so it'll like keep growing. Um, that sounds awful and sad, but but kind of funny that somebody thought to do that and patented it wow all right well this has been an episode all about <laughs> fair play marriages and ponies and unicorns and horses oh my with that i've been shannon i've been rami and this has been workplace sucks. Mm-hmm.